Hello everyone and welcome to episode number three of Ben's Learning Lounge. So great to have you back here again. Wow, episode three. To think we made it so far already. <laughs> I want to thank everyone for getting us to 150 likes on Facebook. I now have an Insta page, at Ben's Learning Lounge, if you want to give it a follow. I kept it nice and simple there. And just a reminder too, that this whole podcast is a fundraiser for Mind. Mind is a charity all about mental health, which I think is very important during this time of quarantine where people might be separated from friends or family. Uh, if you want to give to them, you just want to go to justgiving.com slash fundraising slash Ben's Learning Lounge. That's justgiving.com slash fundraising slash Ben's Learning Lounge. And now to talk a little bit about our guest, Rebecca Stevenson. She's going to be talking to us all about sustainability. We're going to have a little bit of a discussion about how to be sustainable, how to keep motivated with all the bad news about sustainability going around, and what exactly you can do at home now to perhaps make steps to be a little bit more sustainable in your actions. Rebecca herself helped arrange the UK's first ELCOI, which is the local conference of youth, which we'll talk a bit more about later. She plays an active community role within its parent organisation, UKYCC, the UK Youth Climate Coalition. Uh, she's currently an environmental engagement officer for a local government, and she also recently finished her bachelor's in geography and took a big range of sustainability modules. Now, she is by far the most sustainable person I know, uh, teaching me all about upcycling, about the benefits of charity shopping, uh, about plastic alternatives, and all sorts of facts to do with sustainability, which are brilliant motivators for me, and I think it's great if you hear them from her yourself. Now, just Quick disclaimer that none of Rebecca's opinions in this podcast are representative of any organization she has worked for or been a part of. It's all just completely Rebecca that you'll be hearing. So without further ado, I'll pass it over to Rebecca. Hello there and welcome back to the podcast. I am now here with Rebecca Stevenson. Thank you for being part of the podcast, Rebecca. You're welcome. So we're going to talk a little bit about sustainability today. And I say a little bit because there's only really so much we can fit in in the period of time that we have, um, <laughs> as we may have learned before. So the first question I have for you, Rebecca, is what actually is sustainability? What are we talking about here? I think sustainability is a huge, huge topic, as, as you just said. Obviously, like it's linked to climate change um, in some ways. I think most people probably think about the environmental side of sustainability, you know, protecting the environment and everything. But there's also lots of social, economic and sort of personal sustainability goals that I think are really important as well. It's meeting the needs of the present whilst providing for the future still. So a nice way to think of it is borrowing stuff from your grandparents, from your grandkids. <laughs> um, yeah. I've definitely borrowed stuff from my grandparents before though too. <laughs> Right, I see. So it's not just about the climate aspect of it. So do you have any examples of things that aren't, well, to do with the climate that are also in the sort of sustainability banner? Yeah, I'm, act I'm actually really glad you asked that. Um, <laughs> so I have a perfect example. Um, charity shopping, I would say, is a really, really good oh, yeah. example as a one aspect thing um, to show a few different ways that it is sustainable. Obviously, you've got the environmental impacts of it. You're reducing clothing waste for a start you know there's so much that goes to landfill you're kind of reducing that environmental impact and then it's got a so, like social sustainability because by not buying fast fashion you're minimizing the amount of women you know the gender inequality around sweatshops um, and everything that goes around that um, and then it's also economically sustainable one because it's so much cheaper mm -hmm. than uh, any sort of high street shop for most of the time and if you're shopping something like vintage rather than 
charity shops, you're also supporting a lot more businesses. So that's a lot more um, locally, environmentally and economically sustainable. Right, I see. So, I mean, it's funny because a lot of these things do overlap with each other. Like you said, you know, there's sort of the environmental aspects and there's the business Mm. aspects and they all kind of, you know, there's no thing. It's difficult to isolate one singular thing. And I noticed that too when yeah. I've looked before at yeah. the, the UN Sustainable Development Goals, uh, trying to understand, you know, how the, how the UN kind of classifies mm-hmm. um, sustainability. And it has, it has some really interesting goals. Like I see, like, for example, yeah. it, as a sustainable development goal, one of them is no poverty. Another one is zero hunger. Another one's gender equality. I mean, they do have mm-hmm. things like climate, climate action, clean energy, um, yeah. that type of stuff. But it's definitely sort of encompasses a lot more than... I previously thought it did. Yeah, I think a lot of people are surprised by that. It's it is so linked towards everything. You can't really solve one problem without either highlighting or needing to solve another. Um, I guess that's just the nature of the world. Yeah, there's a lot of different sort of buzzwords too in sustainability, and I am kind of mm. testing your knowledge as well as my knowledge because I want to break a, a couple of things down. I mean, I did. Um, I did a couple of modules in sustainability, so I'm not. Uh, luckily, I'm not completely uh, deaf and dumb to the to the ideas. But I think it's worth bringing some stuff up because I think now in today's climate, people talk mm. a lot about sustainability. But I think these kind of words yeah. can be thrown around without people knowing what it means, and you kind of fall into the as- aspect of like greenwashing and things, right? When people can use a word, you're not too sure what actually yeah. it, it's talking about. So, do you, could you give any kind of idea of what? Uh, the circular economy is because I know that's something which is which is brought up a lot. Oh, um, so I'm not an expert in economics or anything, but my understanding of it is instead of the sort of a consume, use, and get rid of like linear consumption that we have at the minute from a lot of I know tech or just general consumption, it's it's consume, use, throw away. But the circular economy style, through my understanding, is you buy it, you use it, and there's either a way to reuse it or recycle it to kind of link back. So instead of having that linear um, progression, you have like a circle that loops back to consumption again. Oh, I see. Yeah, so it's not, it, you're not getting stuck on that necessary bit of production, which is sort of the the beginning stage right where you produce stuff in the first place you kind of i suppose you rely on that less right if you're going through like a circular economy yeah and i think it kind of i think a lot of it is limiting the waste that comes out of the system of consumption rather than uh still needing to produce loads but it just going in a circle it kind of reduces all those different outputs yeah i see and that kind of brings me to the next sort of definition i think we should tackle is upcycling so that's Ooh. something which I think is is linked to to reusing, right? Yeah, I mean, you you know, I love upcycling and reusing things. It's something I could talk about for hours. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd say um, upcycling is kind of transforming one thing that maybe doesn't serve its purpose anymore to another thing. Um, you know, it's quite easy to upcycle clothes and things like, you know, change something that doesn't fit into something that does fit, you know, if you lose weight or something. Or it could be, I don't know, finding a, a new purpose for something. Ben was saying to me a, a while ago, he had flower pots that he was going to then change into storage 
things instead of an unused wow pop. Mm. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, and I've seen a lot of these type of things. I think I see them a lot. At least I did when I used it on uh, on Pinterest. There was definitely a lot of those kind of examples of managing to reuse things in that kind of upcycling fashion. What would account do you think if I took like I see uh, girls do this sometimes, and I, I know that it's something that you can do. Like you can take jeans, right? Maybe that belong to mm. to like your dad or something, and then you kind of like can cut them down. Is that is that an element of upcycling if you turn them into shorts? Yeah. I've I've literally done that to my brothers uh, before. I put a couple of buttons <laughs> I didn't in the know back. That. I uh, actually didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, just cut them short, so they were like uh, very, very trendy skateboardery ones. Uh, cut them short, put some buttons in the back to nip the waist in a bit. Um, but yeah, like up, up cycling stuff is way more than just clothes. Um, but that's just mm. kind of a lot of the things that I do currently. Anyway, it's just fun. It's just fun. I'd give give it a go. Another another area which I did want to talk about too was was greenwashing, because that's that's sort of another floaty word. Uh, I'm not sure if everyone fully <laughs> understands what that means. So from my understanding, at least, greenwashing is the idea of uh, and you know sort of help me on the lines if you think I might have something out of whack, Rebecca. But I think it's uh, the idea of persuading someone perhaps to buy something, especially in like a marketing way, by sort of betraying the the characteristics of the service or object as being very good maybe for the environment or perhaps being um, something something more sustainable than it is you know maybe they try and sell it as being you know a bio product or a natural product or you know those kind of words that kind of are all a bit floaty mm. you know not easy to define and maybe put their products under that kind of branch so they sound a little bit more friendly to, to the green world than they otherwise are yeah yeah it's it's so annoying it re- it's one of those things that really really irks me in sort of like the sustainability thing because it's just so easy to you know there was a razor i can't remember what company it was once that i saw but they did a green version of their razors like oh, the, the color it, green <laughs> okay and the way that they presented it with leaves around and stuff literally made it look you know, oh, is it just the same type of type not. of razor but just um, green yeah oh <laughs> that's um, terrible i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say which one i think it is because i think i'll be wrong but just little things like that but that actually it, it reminds me of a uh i had a reusable coffee cup for ages uh you know like the bamboo ones yes i've seen those um yeah and that so they're always billed as quite a eco uh, products you know a lot of people have them it it does help reduce the amount of um single use cups and stuff you use they are amazing i used them i used it for years until it broke um but i recently recently learned um so it's made from sort of chips of bamboo with a silicone cup uh top but the actual bamboo granules are all held together with couple of different chemicals and a formaldehyde sort of mixture and that kind of glues it all together but those chemicals can leak into the cup and it's just tiny little things like that you know like on the surface yeah and even if you dive a little bit deeper it is a sustainable option yeah however it has all these other issues with it well i Uh, I have a couple of good examples as well to 
to jump onto that mm. too. Again, I don't know the exact mm. amount, not experts in the field. I think it's, I might uh, put it in the little description or maybe <laughs> tell people to look at it. But for example, using a flask, right? It's it's a good option uh, instead of reusing cups mm. all the time. It's it's something which yeah, I try and do more doubt, often yeah. now. Yeah, but if you have a flask, you have to really make sure that you use that flask because the amount of times you have to use that flask for it to be worth it for the environment you know you mm-hmm. can't really be throwing it away after one year because you're not going to get the the full well you likely in one year won't get the full usage out of it so you have to really i think it's i really think i got told it was something silly like 1000 times to actually make it yeah it's like it's like it. a crazy crazy amount i think yeah. when i was using my bamboo cup i think i'd actually worked out that i had used it because i was using it multiple times a day to go to lectures and things like that but it you really really need to actually use things it's not worth kind of occasionally using them it just doesn't make sense exactly Uh, but i think that links to the greenwashing because there are flasks which say you know it's a more sustainable option but it doesn't Mm. say it's a more sustainable option if you use it about a thousand times Mm -hmm. yeah another good example i have too which i actually wrote about i did a little few blog posts a couple of years ago to do with sustainability and one of the things which i found mm. really interesting that i researched was there's a ben and jerry's ice cream you might have heard it i don't know if you've had it before it's called chunky monkey um i, I can't <laughs> say i have i did not like how it sounded <laughs> <laughs> I, I promise it's actually really delicious but i've only ever had that one and there's like a polar bear one as well but um anyway this is not what this is about all right this is about the mm-hmm. fact that on Ben and Jerry's uh, in the US, they use they put above the Chunky Monkey ice cream the word natural. They put all natural above it. They had an mm-hmm. in brackets all natural range. And the issue is, and, and the all natural kind of means if the food doesn't contain any any added color, any artificial flavors or synthetic substances. But mm-hmm. when Ben and Jerry's claimed that it was all natural, it had like this factory made like fake vanilla in there something called alkalized cocoa, which, you know, is alkalized, uh, corn syrup, and partially hydrogenated soybean oil. So the, the whole thing, you know, really isn't natural, but they, they managed to work around the definition of how the, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration call natural mm. to, to make it sound natural and legally get away with it. Yeah, they ended up getting a court case, so um, which was separately done by the Center for Science uh, in the public interest, and they ended up getting done for it, and they had to drop the all-natural. But it's just to say to people that even if something says all-natural or bio or organic or, you know, even just straight out says good for the environment, you really have mm. to, you know, triple-check that what you're getting is that, and it's not just um, a normal product with a with a higher price. <laughs> yeah, like... I'm, I'm a massive advocate for like everyone needs to do their own research don't just don't just go off what one person says but it just gives such a bad uh image for any sort of environmental option when you hear about all of these options that we're saying and you don't be turned off the whole sustainability movement just because these few brands think it's okay just it's not you picked one thing that annoys me <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, the th- the reason why it bothers me too is obviously i i did my degree in marketing and that's mm, something pro- which you're we... the problem <laughs> i'm the problem <laughs> we got told about greenwashing but you know don't don't get the wrong idea it's not like we're in a or getting brainwashed to say look here's how you greenwash a customer if you want to do it we mm. spoke about <laughs> yeah. we spoke about uh unethical bits of marketing and you know how to avoid mm. it or how to spot it 
you know, because I think some people can ac- actually think that they're doing the right thing and they're not. But I'm very much about ethical marketing. Mm. And that's why it's something which is very much brought to my attention because I see it everywhere. And like you said, mm. I think it's it's a shame, really. It does a bit of a disservice to the idea of sustainability because, you know, there are a lot of people who want to take it mm. seriously. And I'm sure that they feel a little bit like they're being made a mockery of by some of these, you know, companies that are, at the end of the day, are just doing it for a profit. Yeah. So I also wanted to ask you, Rebecca, a little bit about sort of the the impact that we have. I mean, it can be a little bit demotivating sometimes when we see maybe on the news and type things, you know, that, you know, there's oceans filling up with with Mm. bloody plastics, that, you know, there's trees being cut down in areas, animals are dying. How do you manage in your line of work to sort of keep keep a positive mindset, um, you know, do what you can without getting too demotivated? It's so hard. I don't think you could ever speak to an environmentalist who says like, oh, it's so easy to be 100% positive about the work you're doing. Because even, you know, even the smallest thing doesn't feel like it's doing a lot sometimes. If you're something like uh, climate change isn't going to be solved overnight, the Amazon's not going to instantly regrow, the oceans won't suddenly stop uh, acidifying, you know, there's just it's not going to happen overnight. Some things might not even happen in my lifetime. So it's so hard to find the motivation sometimes to commit to doing some of this work when you can't always see it happening. But yeah, I think sometimes you just need a bit of blind optimism. You know, I, I believe that the work that I do could help inspire someone else who could help inspire someone else. And that whole chain reaction to eventually make things better i think sometimes you just need that blind optimism but in terms of sort of personal mental you know sustainability to reduce burnout and things like that i know you're a massive um reader into burnout and things like that but yeah i think it's so easy in the environmental set to get overwhelmed so i think sometimes we just need a bit of a break and you just need to give yourself that time meditate kind of get out of, of whatever's going on in the news um, and then get back on with your work. Yes, yeah, I agree. I think too what, what you brought up as well is that you sort of have to have that optimism that, you know, people will almost carry the torch after you've done it because you can't always see the direct mm. progress of your results and you kind of rely on the next people to take it forward to improve things a little bit better. And it does remind yeah. me this that ancient greek proverb that you might have heard before that says um a society grows great when i think it was like old people or old men plant trees in whose shade they know that shall never sit in i think that reminds me a little bit though about what people in sustainability are often doing because you can't you can't always see the direct result of what you're doing but you are doing a lot and you have to just know that as time passes those little things that everyone is doing or or, uh, accomplishing will grow to something Mm -hmm. much much bigger than themselves yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm not very old. I'm only 22 at the minute. Um, but I'm already getting to see the benefit of young people. I am technically still a young person, but people younger than me being so passionate about the environment. At the conference that I helped grow, we had so many, so many young people there. Uh, some of the people from my old college that I got to talk to who were just so passionate and so eloquent and proud of their activism um, and it's truly yeah. truly inspiring seeing the drive that young people have it's, it's the way forward and even doing small things has a huge impact 
our um, sort of tagline, I think, was think global, act local, or the other way around. So it was kind of showing that small, small actions can build up to the bigger thing. Yeah, well, that's a perfect quote, actually, now that you mention it. And I, I think, think it was that, that way around. Yeah, either way, it, as long as you're, as long as you're doing some local, you're doing some global. Yeah. <laughs> it works out. Um, I was going to mention too that 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 optimism that you have is great because some things that I've noticed that you've done as well I mean you posted on Instagram I think last week some kind of like good statistic about I think it's like Britain and the cold usage of Britain do you remember that yeah it was at the time it was from the Guardian that the UK was using zero percent of its energy was coming from coal sources which is incredible and it had been for 20 something days at that point I think it is due to the coronavirus, sorry, trigger word um, that's happening at the minute. Um, But I think at the minute anyway, I think in the UK, I think 50% of our energy comes from clean sources anyway. Yeah. Um, But there's loads of statistics like that that people don't always focus on because, you know, there's so many other things going on. Yeah. People want to obviously focus on where there's problems so then they can try and fix Mm. them. But it's sometimes it's supposed easier, yeah. to, to, to celebrate those victories, especially for people like yourself who work in sustainability. You want to sort of mm. know that there are positive things happening and that the results of your actions can get somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. It's so, it's so encouraging. Like I um, work for local government at the minute and I only have a really small role there. I work with volunteers and they do mainly litter picking. But the work that they do is priceless in the community. You know, it's not some huge protests it's not writing a book but just tidying up their local environment and making it better for all the life that's around them priceless Mm -hmm. it's absolutely priceless yeah i think if more people did all these small actions the world would kind of get healed a bit quicker well speaking of these actions that you're personally taking in place i mean i want to know a little bit more Mm -hmm. about about elkoi uh, about what that is and also mm-hmm. any other things that you've been working on i think you mentioned about something another thing called uk ukycc i think it was i'm just kind of interested in those in those things yeah yeah to, to kind of to try and explain the, the two of them fully you'd need quite a while from me because it's uh, it's quite hard for me to explain um but ukycc is the organization that i'm currently starting off doing a bit of work with um, it stands for UK Youth Climate Coalition, um, kind of just do environmental projects. I work in the community engagement team, just doing a few little projects at the minute. I don't know if I can really talk about any of them. There's not a lot going on because of coronavirus. They kind of set up um, ELCOI, mm-hmm. which is the local conference of youth. Um, and that happened for the first time in the UK uh, last year now. And it was incredible to be part of. Essentially, um, a COI, so a conference of youth, happens just before the annual um, UN climate talks. ELCOIs then happen all over the world to get youth voice input from across the globe. So we set up a conference. It was all about um, knowledge sharing and sort of empowerment and learning about all these different themes of climate change the most notable one that we used was climate justice which is a huge kind of underrated topic at the minute um it's kind of when we're talking about social sustainability 
and it's kind of about the people that are most affected or will be most affected by climate change aren't necessarily the people that are harming the environment the most you know so like china and america would be the ones with the biggest power plants whatever polluting everything but a small community in bangladesh they're the ones that are going to be flooded and there's loads of things to do with um you know credit systems countries will buy in other countries allowance on climate like pollution uh, i can't quite yes. remember the name off the top of my head but yeah the the el- the elcoy that we did was amazing it's it's quite a shame that not as many people know about it i think yeah sometimes because you know the conference isn't free because you have to rent the space you have to have the speakers um, right. provide food or, or everything um they're not free so i think sometimes they're not and this was the first one in the uk there won't be one this year i don't think because um the koi's been cancelled which was set to be in glasgow which would have been amazing but uh sad news there'll be more to follow though there will but i'm not sure if they'll still be in this country feels kind of ironic to use an airplane to travel to a climate change conference. Yeah, you'd like to think that the climate change conference would therefore give a, a good amount of information that would make that worth it. Yeah, yeah. So I also have a question of people who, as you mentioned, joined the quarantine. It's a little bit difficult because things are shut down. Mm, um, yeah. But there might be people who do have an interest in sustainability and never really done much about it or, or maybe they've done loads about it. What kind of recommendation would you give, do you think, to those people who want to get involved in sustainability during this time, but aren't too sure what what to actually get involved with? Well, I think since we all have kind of more time in the world at the minute, um, yes, stay home, stay safe, all of that. But I know that a lot of people are going for walks and things like that around their local area a lot more than they usually would do. Um, So one of the most important things I would say is look at the environment around you. Um, You know, even if you're in an, in a huge uh, city, there'll still be tiny moss growing somewhere or, you know, even a tree in a park. Um, kind of appreciate that nature that exists and remember why you want to be sustainable it is huge because it's so easy to lose focus mm-hmm. of that, um, especially now. So would you, I'm surely as well that if you did start appreciating the nature as well around you, that that'd be a great stepping stone to start perhaps working on a on a local government level i mean you could potentially contact your local representatives right if you notice some things that perhaps you notice some things that aren't exactly looking environmentally friendly for example or spaces which might look a little bit dark and dodgy that could actually be used in an environmental way or even you know using certain services that are more environmental as well i mean trying Mm. to think off the top of my head i mean there are things like um water taps in in offices that perhaps that are you know able to save water at the same time that you use them they're the ones that i have when i was working in an office so i suppose obviously that second option isn't so easy to do in quarantine but that perhaps getting in contact with local mm. representatives is something you could do during this time i suppose yeah and like finding out what groups are near you because say if there's a park you really love going to there's more likely than not a uh, like a friends of a park yes group. Uh, who would do, yeah, like the uh, environmental work and all the planting of things and funding bids for new play areas and, and things like that. You know, you don't have to take on a massive project by yourself. There's 
more likely than not huge groups out there already. It's just being able to find them. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes contacting people like myself in um, local government, like environmental sectors, we can direct people in the right places or help people get involved. You know, the, the, the internet is infinite. It's so easy just to find, you know, something that's linked to the area that you're around. Yeah, just by finding those people near you is is, is brilliant. Yeah, I mean, that's great too, because then we've got already got a few things that people can do. They can find people near them that share the same interests, go outside, mm-hmm. appreciate nature a little bit, perhaps contact local representatives if you know things that perhaps could be improved. And yeah. you can also do upcycling, which you mentioned before. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's great stuff. Uh, is there anything else that you also wanted to bring up too that you think is, is important for people to consider when, when looking at sustainability? Um, a, a massive personal thing that I have is I sort of get a lot of imposter syndrome with working in the environmental sort of mm. sector. It always feels like there's someone that knows more or is more deserving of a voice um, to talk about things. You know, I, I find it difficult just being like a white middle-class woman in the environmental sector, especially when talking about things like climate justice. It kind of feels a bit weird to be able to talk about things. But, you, you know, just because there's someone like Greta out there or someone with a PhD in um, carbon accounting or something um, doesn't mean that the place that you have and the part that you play is invalid. You know, even um, recycling is huge um, and can make a huge impact. I think everyone needs to remember that you you can help no matter how small your actions are on the on what you perceive the scale of sustainability is. That is, yeah. I think that's a great sentiment as well because there's so much people can do, and I think that in every field and especially within sustainability Mm. where it's highlighted more that you can feel intimidated by those figures who obviously are are working 10 times harder than you but it's that ability to not feel demotivated you know be confident in your voice I mean for example you today you came on this podcast which is perfect you know I I it's it's not always about being the person who knows everything about the topic to do that you know if anything if if it was just yeah, it's having the passion. And if it was just those people talking, you know, you wouldn't have everyone else's sort of ability to contribute new ideas to the field too. So, you know, yeah. I think it's it's a really positive environment if people can feel confident enough to talk about it, like you do post stuff on Instagram and things about yeah. it, if, if, in whatever topic they're interested in, and just feel confident enough to get their voice out there and do something. Yeah, because I mean, we're not scary. We're not like a, if anything, I feel like we're the, the nicest people out there. We literally just want to hug trees and, you know, dance about in the woods. I have so many pictures. Of, <laughs> I think I have three pictures of you that's hugging not, trees that's, over the years. That's, and that's not even as many times as it's happened. That's just the only times you've caught it. <laughs> um, but yeah, like we're, yes. we're nice people. I think if anyone's worried about getting involved or wants to get involved and is, cautious you know re- reach out to me for a start i would love to just chat sustainability for hours i have done um oh, rebecca you're so sweet you're so sweet to my listeners ah i don't even know them uh, you might know a couple who knows See, proving my pro- i'm proving my own point yes you are yeah i <laughs> and it's also the positivity off you i think is great in it too I- i'll leave a little um 
in the in the podcast description i'll leave a little uh, contact thing so people can get in contact with you if, if they need to but yeah. brilliant i mean that's great thank you very much rebecca you've gave a, people a lot to think You're about welcome. there i think i think we've managed to slash as well some of the terms that people didn't know uh we've managed to bring up things yeah, like beautiful. obviously sustainable development and um green yeah we did good i think we did we did good and we did it in half the amount of time yes as uh, yeah, previously we've... recorded Yes. Yeah. We don't talk about that. The, the forgotten tips. <laughs> yeah. But like Rebecca says too, it is, it is a big topic. So we can only fit so much into this length of time. So we really do urge you mm-hmm. to do your own research, find things that you're interested in. You know, personally, I really like looking at social uh, progress or, or a website called the social progress imperative that looks at how different countries are progressing on a social level. And the social aspect is also part of, uh, can be part of sustainability too. Mm-hmm. So just find find your little niche and, and uh, find people who like it too, right? Yeah. Brilliant stuff. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for being on the podcast. Again, you're welcome. If you want to contact Rebecca, uh, again, she might be hugging a tree during the time you contact her. It might take her a while, but she's a lovely person and uh, definitely worth the contact. So thank you again and talk to you soon. <laughs> Am I not going to get a... I'm not going to get a bat... <laughs> <laughs> no, you were so awkward last time. Did everyone else say bye? Uh, yeah, they said bye. It's okay. Bye. No, it's too late now. You've missed the opportunity. <laughs> I'll if I put that in. If I put that in in post, it's gonna sound weird now. <laughs> I didn't realize everyone else had done it. <laughs> <laughs>